As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rabona podcast. I'm back again with Michael De Silva and Ryan Hun, and we're going to discuss this week's action. And we're going to start with Manchester United's win at Wembley over Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. Someone's chipper. <laughs> no, I just think it's good for the Premier League. I think it's good for the Premier League to have Manchester United. Good for your Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> Michael, what do you think? I was well. I'm not happy, but I was I was struck actually by some comments from David De Gea after the game. He was talking about Solskjaer and he just said, he's brought happiness. And it just spoke volumes, spoke volumes because this it's the same players, right? same players. It's just the importance of the atmosphere, the environment, and that shouldn't be understated, you know? Right. Feels like a distant fever dream, to be honest. Mm. It feels like, you know, when you have like a really bad migraine, and after you're covering the migraine, you can't remember how bad the pain was. You know that when you have like extreme pain or fever or flu, like you, and, and quite recently, it's yeah. amazing how quickly you forget the mm. period of discomfort. True. And I think at United now, you look at them, it's just that is how a team in the top six should be performing. And they weren't perfect against Spurs. Spurs are very good. Mm. It's just that that is how a top six side should be turning out week after week. From United for so long, you've been getting less than the sum of the parts. And I think now you're just basically getting the sum of the parts. You know, exactly I, I don't that, think right, you're getting right. any more than that. Mm-hmm. There's obviously still a lot of room for improvement, but I don't think anyone's really expecting that from Solskjaer. That's not his job. It's just mm-hmm. to kind of 
just rebalance a little bit. I mean, yeah. Spurs could have easily won that game. Right. And one thing we were chatting about before we came on was I think it's key not to draw massive conclusions from that game because I don't think there are any. I don't think that means that Spurs are done and I don't think United are going to come second yeah. or whatever. I mean, I think that it's, you know, it's made things a lot more interesting. We've got a top six again. Yeah. Which yeah. It's tightened up, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Good weekend for Chelsea too. Yeah. Early season De Gea or World Cup De Gea might have conceded a couple of those goals. Really? No, if we're being real, Mm. like De Gea's form um, has improved. His, you know, he was otherworldly last year and he hasn't been otherworldly. He's been merely good this season with a couple of mistakes. Mm. And he's just locked in in a way. I mean, like the footwork you need to get down to some of those shots, which looked easy in the end, was pretty pretty outstanding. And, And there's a straight comparison with the goal that Lloris wasn't able to arrange his feet, right, right, you right. know, yeah. and he wasn't, you know, Trippier was at fault really for that goal. But, you know, De Gea is, seems to be returning to those elite levels, whereas Lloris, I think, I think his best days might be behind. What Lloris looked like oh, when he let the goal in, Lloris looked like, you know when you see those tennis players that get beaten by a forehand pass and the ball bounces like three feet from their ankle? And you're like, it looks worse than it is because they didn't get the first movement right. Yeah. Yeah. And you see Rashford shaping up and you, you're thinking to yourself pretty much, he's going to go across the keeper. Like yeah. it, it seemed pretty clear the angle he was on. And, you know, it, these are the small margins. And we, we maybe criticised Lloris too much because he made a great save from Pogba second half, actually. That is true. Yeah. But it's just these small margins, isn't it? Yeah. And it's and, also, the, yeah. it's just the consistency as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what goalkeepers have to be judged on ultimately. But yeah, I mean, Rashford showed incredible pace like a real explosion of pace to get away from Vertonghen mm. who's not quite as slow as some people think he is he can deceptively quick <laughs> yeah maybe Rashford's going to make anybody look slow if you get caught turning exactly. to chase him yeah. anybody, and, anybody and that was it yeah. and yeah the the finish was just laser precision like really really fantastic and I think Rashford I think this is a, a huge season for him because um, Mourinho put his trust in him for a while, then they, that trust broke down. Mm. And I think Rashford needs a coach that is going to love him. Right, He needs that arm around him. I th- he strikes me as that type of player. I, I think he's interesting because you see how Solskjaer has used him in the short period of time. He's used him in a wide position, but also used him centrally. And I've compared um, Rashford before to Thomas Muller. But Ryan feels, I think we've discussed before, that I was maybe shortchanging him in terms of his skill set because... No, you know, not that. R- I just, think, I, just feet, I, I mean, feet, I yes. can understand maybe. I just don't see them as similar players in terms of skill sets at all. You know, I think that um, I think that Thomas Muller is, he's very, um, very kind of wily, sneaky, kind mm. of drops into those little pockets where people just wouldn't expect him to be. But without huge kind of bursts of pace or mm. movement he's very like a you know kind of not wanting to bring up a basketball analogy but he's like an aging point guard you know what I mean mm. he kind of just seems to right. be there whereas I think Rashford is a lot more dynamic actually but Musa what's the what's the comparison that you see uh, I would suppose it's the, really the ability to play all across the forward line mm. to play like yeah. wide left wide right mm-hmm. you know he wasn't the best as an out and out nine Muller but he could play it and to play just behind. Mm-hmm. And Rashford has this just unbelievable versatility. And and actually I think I think Martial has it too. But one thing that I will say that was really fascinating that um Solskjaer threw in was in the relation to Jesse Lingard's goal, who played in a sort of false nine against Arsenal. And he said, actually look, you know, Lingard's more of a link player. Uh, and that's why I play him as a false nine, so the players mm. can run off him like Marshall and Rashford. And it made me think, perhaps we don't give Jesse Lingard, I, don't, I say we, I mean, football generally doesn't give Lingard mm. enough credit for his footballing intelligence, his ability to connect 
in a style, I suppose, more like a kind of Pedro player, mm-hmm. where Pedro is someone who goes under the radar a little in Spain's successes, Barcelona's successes, but is somebody who's incredibly effective at knitting an attack together. Yeah, I really like Lingard as a player. I think he's, I've definitely warmed to him as well. Mm. He strikes me as someone who would be really annoying in the dressing room, <laughs> but actually really good fun to play with. Yeah, He seems to just be very busy and very more about the collective, I think. You don't really mm. tend to see too much stuff that's about him Really, you know, he really puts, I don't want to use massive cliches, but he really puts shifts in. He's a bit of a sixth yeah. man to use an enemy. Yeah, definitely. Like and I think, extra, I yeah. think that's like we, we were saying before how, you know, Lukaku and Sanchez aren't getting games at the moment or starting games. I know Sanchez is coming back from injury, but also I think that actually Pogba, Lingard and Rashford clicks a little better, I think. And mm. they just seem to gel a little bit more than Pogba, Sanchez and Lukaku at the moment. I think I know Pogba and Lukaku are, are tight. And I actually think those two can play together quite well, but I think it's finding the personnel around him. And also with Martial in there, I just think that that as a four um, is working really quite well. They're frighteningly fast, actually, those four. If you think, I mean, Pogba's not, Pogba doesn't look fast, but he can shift gears. He's like a hovercraft, actually. You know, like, you're like, you you don't seem to be traveling at all. And all of a sudden you're like halfway across the harbour. You're like, how did I get here? (laughs) You you watch him and just, he he gets through tackles. there was one moment, it was actually a beautiful tackle by Sissoko, had quite a decent game till he got injured. Mm. Pogba just sort of nibbles the ball through two players yeah. and then Sissoko just cuts across him. But that passage was like the short space in which he does things, you know, that kind of creativity. We really have missed that. I, I don't want to make this too much about United because I think that we also talk about Spurs and how you know, they were brilliant. Mm. Uh, in, in the way they just repeatedly cut through, not just United, but the heart of United mm. in a way that, you know, Teams with even greater firepower than Spurs. I think that's Spurs' one problem. I think the just brutal firepower. You look at someone at PSG. PSG will be watching that game, and I think they'll be salivating at some aspects of that. Yeah. I think they'll be watching our United tire and thinking, the last half hour, if this team can't keep running against us, we're going to absolutely mm. have a tea party against them. So I think, you know, room for growth for United. But also I think we need to talk about Spurs and say, Pochettino, really, what he's created there is just a ruthless... He did made a, make a mistake in my view. And when Sissoko got injured, he brought on Lamella. And I would have put my trust in um, Oliver Skip at that point, the the young central midfielder who's been so dynamic and mm. has shown that he can be trusted in that position. But instead, he reverted to a strategy used against Everton where he dropped Ericsson back mm. um, and tried to use him as some kind of deep-lying playmaker, PLOS kind of thing. And it did work really well against Everton when they won 6-2. But that kind of big change to the team dynamic needs a few more runouts and preferably not yeah. against a team like United. So for me, that was the an error by, by Pochettino. Um, but losing Sissoko was huge. And um, and Harry Kane has also picked up an ankle injury as well. Yeah, that looks quite worrying. Yeah, right? Spurs have actually got a bit of an injury problem. Kind of, they they're starting to stack up a bit now. And Son's gone to the Asian. He's off Cup now, now. Yeah, for um, two weeks, I think. Yeah, that's so. squad depth, though, isn't that's always been the Spurs thing, and the Chelsea to an extent. Mm-hmm. It's just the intensity of game they play and just the resources. You know, United United have got a guy yeah. who they pay half a million a week to on the bench, yeah. Sanchez, and not sweating a bead about it. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Like, And we have to discuss these inequalities because they are a factor. Mm. If Spurs had the kind of resources where they have a player like Sanchez, mm. if put it this way, if Spurs said, we have so many great players who can leave a guy mm. with half a million a week on the bench, I mean, then that's a different game at the weekend. It's quite frustrating for me uh, sometimes because... I look at that Tottenham team and I think the forward line is 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 sorted. Right. Um they've got 
two or even three good goalkeepers. Um, the central defence is fine. Davison Sanchez was on the bench yesterday and he's an exceptional talent. But Spurs need a dominating central midfielder right. and they need two new fullbacks. You know, dream signing, Alexandro. Yeah, you know, right. and then in the midfield, Verratti. Obviously, they're not going to sign those players, but these are the kind of players they need to be looking at to try and step things up. But they're so close, you know, but never quite there. Yuri Tielemans from Monaco. Get that new stadium. Yeah. Get that new stadium. Not because that, that guy's... Big shout. The numbers he's putting up at Monaco in a struggling team yeah. are still pretty damn impressive. That is a big shout. Spurs, only one player really has been linked with Spurs in this January transfer window and that's Florian Grilich, the um, central midfielder for Hoffenheim, which would be really interesting. And now, I, I watch quite a lot of Bundesliga, but I'm going to be watching him a little more closely. That's good, actually. The beauty about um, Spurs' position, though, the position they're in, is the German league is a league which is of a high enough standard that players can come across and make a great transition. You know, Chak, even Chaka struggled, but Chaka's come good. And... I just wonder if Spurs might be missing something, not missing a trick, but I'm sure they're looking aggressively at the German market, but there's, there must be good value there, like players at the kind of Hertha Berlin level. Yeah. And you say, look, there's a new stadium. We'll yeah. make you the centre of our plans the next three, four years. Yeah, and Pochettino has been really good at plucking those players that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, Hyung Min Son is a great example. Right. He'd been in Germany for the best part of a decade, playing for Hamburg through the youth system, then for Leverkusen. He was a player that, caught my eye but I never thought he would ever reach the levels that he right. has and Pochettino can raise players levels um, in a way that I don't think many other coaches can right. there will be a time though where he's going to get frustrated that that is the limit of what he can do at Spurs and he's a loyal guy and I genuinely don't think he's going to leave Spurs before they move into their new stadium I think he sees that as a crucial part of the, the plan and the jigsaw that he's, he's, he's a part of but in the not too distant future unless Spurs dramatically change their structure they have to accept that they might be about to squander the biggest chance they're ever going to have to win the league. I think that's really the moment of truth, isn't it? You look at where revenues come from, and I'm sure the Spurs marketing has done an amazing job in raising the profile. At the same time, I just look at, for example, what the Bundesliga have done in China in terms of building their profile. And I just wonder if, you know, can they grab the revenue from somewhere else? What's their breakthrough going to be? What's their overseas revenue going to be? Uh, because I think... You're right if there's not a change in that. Because the Spurs are such a well-run club, the sustainability of the model, the renewable nature of the model, they're always going to turn a good profit. Yeah. Spurs are definitely growing worldwide, though, I right, think. I right. think especially in the in the US, you see, I've, I've you seem to, I mean, I don't have the numbers, it's purely based on just like feel, but you right. seem to be a lot, uh, you seem to see a lot more coverage of Spurs in the States. Um, for example, I, I subscribe to the athletic and they have a premier league section there and there's a lot of, there's as much spurs stuff on there as any other premier league club wow, that's mm. great. a lot of spurs supporters clubs and i actually think that maybe the nfl has something to do with that as playing games at wembley and um spurs playing at wembley this season and also the nfl moving will play well will play games in spurs new stadium so and obviously being pretty good i, I find it really hard to kind of make any massive calls on spurs because they just look so they've been so solid now for so many years right. consistent you know maybe apart from last season's man city side you know there's that two or three year period where i thought they were the most complete team right in the premier league yeah mm. They've probably been the most complete team like over the last four years. Yeah, definitely. But, but they just had missed that extra little gear or, yeah. or extra kind of personnel yeah. to make it count. And yeah. like I say, from a neutral point of view, the Arsenal fan of me is terrified. But <laughs> as a neutral, I really do hope Poch stays. 
because me too, me too. because the, it's quite similar to the situation of Simeone at Atleti and he could have gone and he was always mm. linked to be going and he really wanted to stay with the stadium change and stuff mm. so I mean also though I just wanted to kind of say that I think that we could be sat here today and it could have been 3-1 Spurs exactly and it would have maybe it wouldn't have needed so much introspection you know yeah. so nothing too big can be drawn from this game well actually while we're talking about neutrals the neutral in me wants me at Letty to win the Champions League like really because I just think there's something about the completion of a project against all the odds mm, I mean what, yeah, Letty yeah. have a third the wage bill of um, of uh, Barcelona and they've been there twice exactly you know I mean? and in a heartbreaking fashion I just think that if we go back to Pochettino and what he's built to me that's what football is about mm. and you look at the, the times when Spurs were the most complete team and you know Leicester, Leicester I mean this is a sad thing it's the most Spurs thing ever that Spurs could put together a team like that a campaign like that and if they'd won they would have been one of the most hated teams in football history to beat Leicester to that <laughs> <laughs> which is so unfair yeah but i think in some of the other years it has come down to money it has come down to we don't have 70 million to drop on angel di maria or bernardo silva exactly or or, or van dyke we don't have 80 million to like throw it and of, that you know, that and ultimately that has um accelerated liverpool's project past yeah. past spurs because yeah. pochettino was at spurs i think a year before yeah. klopp arrived at liverpool and they're both doing exceptional jobs but Klopp has the resources he can dip in and yeah, spend yeah, right. 70 million on Naby Keita, for example. Thank but you. Like we've said, though, it's been mainly due to selling really, really well yeah. at Liverpool. And I wonder whether there's a piece at Spurs that could be offloaded. Oh, well, we know who that piece someone, is, don't we? What, Harry Kane. Oh, goodness. Look, because <laughs> Harry Kane would bring in. Sorry, I just. The I was sale guess of Harry Kane yeah. is a game changer. Because, I mean, that's 150, 160 million euros, right? No, there, no, like that's minimum. 250, 250. You reckon? I, I think Harry Kane, I think for the best number nine in world football, which he is, sorry, Lewandowski, the best number nine in world football, if they sell him, they've got to sell him for 250 million. Yeah, they have minimum to, 200. They have to minimum. sell him for 250. I, 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 I say that with the ultimate emphasis because Daniel Levy's now to the transfer market. He could bring in all the players that Spurs needed. But the sale of Kane, it just, and I, I'm sure at some part of his mind, Levy's thought about it because he's planning ahead. Yeah. But that would be an absolute game changer. And I actually think that Spurs, with their recruitment team and their coach and their, you know, and Levy being as brilliant as he is, they have the now to replace Kane. And it is like, it, it's a pivotal moment for them as a club. I think they learned a lot from the Bale sale as well yeah, about yeah. how not to handle that amount of money. Because right. I don't think they use that as well as they could have. Yeah, Lamelo Eriksson are the yeah. two who are. I mean, but they've signed six players with that money, right? Yeah. I think the magnificent seven. <laughs> I mean, Spurs fascinate me the transfer strategy because I always see them as a club that sells really well. To be honest, and maybe buying is the problem. You could argue, and I don't disrespect Sissoko; he's been great and he's really come back to form and prominence. I just feel the club of Spurs resources at that time spending £30 million pounds, maybe could have been better used. Yeah, but I do think, and I don't want to like upset Spurs fans listening to this, but I think the sale of Kane is going to be absolutely or could be a game changer for them and i hope it it's is, um, that. it's an emotional one it hurts my heart just to think about i know this isn't a visual leaving. medium but <laughs> michael's face is really <laughs> quite tragic i'm, crim- I'm grimacing i think but you know when uh kane has been out hyung min son has filled in as right. a striker more than more than capably so okay so hypothetically oh i don't want to talk about let's play a game no. right so you get 200 million for kane right and you sign Sandro, Justin Cliver, Ben Chilwell, <laughs> Justin Cliver. No, I'm just thinking. Where else did you want to central midfield? You you it's sign Verratti. Right back, there you go. You sign Verratti and centre mid, and you play Son up front with Deli Ali behind. No, because when you sell Kane, you need to reconfigure the entire attack. It's like when Harry. Uh, it's like when um, Roy Keane 
goes, you don't buy a working replacement. Is that, were you going to say Harry Keane then? Is I that why? Because I, <laughs> I was in two minds. I was in two minds. Yeah, I thought Keane, right? Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's how my mind works. Jumping around. If it's not Marvel references, it's that. So um, I just think when the biggest mistake you can make when you sell a player of that quality is to try and sign immediate replacement or do not. So reconfigure the attack. So yeah. sell so Keane, you bring Michael Carrick. So you sell Fury and you buy Calm. And I just think with Kane, you divide up his jobs. You know, what were his skill sets and what are the players that you buy that then fit in? So you might buy a K, like navigator players aren't on the market, mm. but you might get a sort of Bram Diaz type player. Yeah, I mean, or, yeah. I think maybe if, if Levy is going to persist with the current transfer policy, mm. which he has every right to do, something has to at some point unlock it. Right. You know? Deli Ali would be a good sale, actually. I was just about to say that because he doesn't have the same emotional connection to Spurs that Kane has. He's also valuable, yep. given his age. His numbers his, are amazing. Exactly, given his talent. And I think there'd be no shortage of big clubs interested in Who him. Who do you think they would pay that money? This is the thing. There'd be a lot of clubs that would want to buy him. But in terms of clubs uh, that would take him, I mean, Dele Alli's numbers are incredible. Goals and assists. I think someone like Real would be pretty amazing mm. in terms of, because they'd pay the money. I don't see the fit, but I think that actually, I think Dele Alli, and here's a, let's have a hot take here. Dele Alli to replace Benzema. Because Benzema, his finishing is very uncertain. He's very highly fated as a link player, but Dele Alli can play in midfield. He can play as a understudy deputy alongside any of those players. He could combine well with Ceballos, Modric, Cruz, mm. no problem there. He could play as a false nine. He could play as an out and out. You could play anybody off him. Dele Alli to replace Benzema, I think. Mm. It would freshen up the uh, front line really well. It's interesting to speak about Spurs selling their best players like as a positive, right? as a means to rebuild for the future. Sure, yeah. But that's the sign. That's the sign of the brilliance of Pochettino. You look at all the great managers, they sell incredible players and they renew. That's the genius of Klopp. Klopp was selling his best player to his direct competitor every single season and yeah. still getting better. Yeah. Atletico Madrid, Simeone has had to sell because they're in so much debt. He's had to sell the best, arguably the best striker in Europe three or four years running. Like, you know, he's had to sell Falcao after one year, had mm -hmm. to sell Forlan, had to sell Diego Costa, had to sell them and kept finding absolute jewels. Jackson Martinez. That was a funny one because I thought that would work. I thought he'd be the game changer that would win them the Champions League. Was he there for four months? It was almost nothing. And now he went off to China, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And so I just think that, you know, Spurs selling is a sign of just how good they've become. And like I say, Deli Ali, that could be the one. I think Liverpool are a prime example now, though, of how selling some of your best <laughs> players isn't necessarily a negative. It doesn't make you a selling club anymore. Right. I think if the offer's there, mm. And Continue, it's worth right, it. Like, no, if you're going to really look at it from a, an old-fashioned point of view, if you like, no player in world football is really worth 200 million. No one. Mm. They're, they're not really, though. I mean, they might be in terms of like the going market value, but yeah. in terms of what you can get instead of, there's no one really that is irreplaceable for Apart that from money. that guy. We're not going to talk about that guy because that guy, you know. Lionel Messi is the only guy in football. He's the only one. He's he the only one. Literally the exception of the Prusor. You're completely yeah. right. And you're, you're absolutely right about that. You're because the thing right. is, he he's like, he can do so yeah. much more yeah. than everyone else. Yeah. Like he's a better passer than 90% of the midfielders that you would be able to get to replace him. He's a better finisher than... 100% of the strikers, well, okay, 99% of the strikers who you can get to replace him. He's probably a better defender low-key than Do you know what? some people. I bet Leo Messi's really good at stuff that we like. I bet he's like really good at like home repair and stuff. I, like, I bet yeah. he's really good. You like when Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, before he became like a breakthrough actor, 
he was like an amazing handyman. Mm. Like, he, like I bet Leo Messi's got these kind of like hidden skills. I bet skills. he's really good at flipping beer mats and catching them. Yeah, in the right, right. <laughs> exactly. like, but he can do like a massive pile of them, yeah. Yeah, which is weird because yeah. he's quite a small guy. <laughs> I just reckon he's just one of those dudes that's like got these random incredible talents. Yeah. yeah, yeah in I fact, guess. I'm going to throw that out there. Tweet us uh, what random things you think Lionel Messi is it's good incredible. at, please. At <laughs> yeah. Bonamag. Keep, and keep them clean, please. I bet there's a whole community of people he hangs out with who don't know what he does for a living. Mm. And like he's really well known in that community for like yeah. bit Matt Flip. Less Where does he go every like, Sunday you know. evening at like 9pm? He's always off somewhere. What does he do? He's, oh, he's got a DJ slot down and you know, yeah. down in Marbella, yeah. He's, got a, he's, got a, he's doing a warm-up set at the comedy cellar. This is a bit random, but I actually, I actually used to work with a guy. Shout out if you're listening, Matthew Hardwick. I used to work with a guy who was like a world-class DJ. I used to train as this law firm. And Matthew never came for drinks after work. Like, where's Matt going off to? And he never came for a drink. Oh, he's just a bit antisocial. He's a bit private or he's got like a partner at home. And, got... and Matthew, it turned out, was like a world-class trance DJ. Wow. And would like, and he goes, oh, that day I couldn't come out for a drink. I was at I in Sharm El Sheikh. <laughs> I left work in Surrey. And I went to the airport and I flew to Sharm El Sheikh, played it and came back. He was like one of the top five trance DJs in the world and had like Judge Jules as his mate as a trainee lawyer. Hey, wow. Judge Jules now is a lawyer. There you go. Well, he trained as one. He did it at UCL, I think. Yeah, he's now, I think he's now a lawyer. Anyway, there we go. Is that, is that a good time for a break? Should we break now? That was good content, I think. I hope you put that in there. Keep Great it, content, guys. See you after the break. <laughs> And we're back and we're going straight to La Liga to talk about the one, the only La Liga of extraordinary gentlemen, Leo Messi. <laughs> Everyone's favourite beer mat flipper, <laughs> Lionel Messi. He broke another record this week. Another he one. He was the second player to score 400 league goals in one of Europe's top five leagues. And the first ever to do it Easy. in the Spanish league, right? First ever to do it in one league, I do believe. Unbelievable. One major league. In how many games? Like 400 and... 435 matches, which, uh, so he's the second player to do it after Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think he did it in 63 fewer matches. You know what's scary? Because he shoots so much less than Ronaldo. And also, Messi didn't really get going in terms of goals, in terms of like volume goal scoring, until about two or three seasons in. You know those years mm. that he was kind of playing as the wide forward or the winger? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was under, under Guardiola. I think Guardiola said, under me, he's going to score like three goals a game. Yeah, Guardiola set him free. Yeah, yeah, right. He's just br- brutally efficient, isn't he? The thing was, in the game against Abar over the weekend, which is what he got it, it was, Barca won 3-0, Suarez got two. He was kind of quiet, actually. And then he just popped up, broke a record. <laughs> Could have had another one a, a, a few minutes later, actually, as well. I mean, quiet in the same way that, you know, a lion eyes oh, up a gazelle. I mean, you know, I mean, like, like, oh yeah, for yeah. 20 minutes it's walking around and then for like 30 seconds it's all over you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Lionel Messi's quiet is Nicholas Bentner's worldie. You yeah. Know, it's like, <laughs> you know. There's a great, um, there's a Twitter <laughs> is he account still called... still in prison, by the way, Nicholas Bentner? <laughs> I'm not sure. Is he there's a Twitter Let's account called um, Barca Numbers, if you find it, uh, Barca Numbers. Mm. And it's got an article saying, I think the average Leo Messi is better than 98 percent of Europe's forwards ever like just I think he does it he's, it's really fascinating account he or she whoever runs the account or if it's a group of them and it's basically aggregated Leo Messi's finishing over the last 15 years wow. and it's done a compilation of the top 200 I think Ronaldo is about sort of 100 and something but Messi is sort of out by himself what is that at Barca numbers it's over uh, yeah, at Barca yeah, at Barca numbers is the Twitter account some okay. reading yeah. material for you all there we go just geeking mm. out you know, um, yeah. yeah elsewhere I mean actually maybe I'll save it and direct people to a new feature on Rabona on the Rabona site. First uh, La Liga roundup. Yeah. It will be up by the time this podcast is up. Go through Real Madrid beating Betis, all kinds of other fun stuff. Some good stuff happened at Bilbao. Quick but shout yeah. out, can I get a quick shout as well? Because we're talking about La Liga. 
a thank you to La Liga for giving us a shout out. I did La Liga TV. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. A couple of weeks ago. Lee Roden, thank you for bringing me in. And it was lovely to talk to them. And they were really kind. They mentioned our podcast. They also mentioned Dabri at the intro. So awesome. Yeah, thanks, Lally Go TV. Thought we'd return the favour and the shout out. Lovely show. Great presenters. And lovely. Good but yeah, to go to rabonamag.com. Read my roundup. <laughs> Absolutely. Very good at this too. Very good at this too. Plug. Any other news? Where are we going next? We're going back to the Premier League. We're going to talk about Arsenal. Let's, Let's talk not talk about, about Arsenal. Arsenal. Let's talk about West Ham. Let's talk about Declan Rice. Let's talk about Declan Rice. He, well, actually, before we do, let's talk about the guy who set up the goal, Samir Nasri. Do you two want to handle this? <laughs> He's had an interesting career, hasn't he? First assist in the Premier League in a few years, I do believe. Was it his first game in some time, given his um, ban? Well, he went to Sevilla. Yeah. And, and was then very he got good banned. So yeah. I can't remember what the, when his last game was in the mm. Premier League. Yeah, West Ham fully deserved the win. Mm-hmm. Listen, like we can keep this pretty short because there's not much to say apart from West Ham were not amazing. Yeah, but were did enough. It was a clinical finish by by Rice, who I think is developing into one of the most exciting young English and Irish English Irish talents. Um, I think he's played three friendly games for for Ireland um, and yet to be capped for England. If he does choose that to go that way, he's a very intelligent player, kind of like. Um, in fact, I was talking to a West Ham um, fan, a friend of mine, and he said he's like Michael Carrick, but not quite as good passing, but much better defending. Oh, mm. that's quite nice. Um, I mean, he's the real deal, and he's been the real deal for a little while, quietly, yeah. kind of coming under the radar. Exactly. Played some games at centre back, yeah, and then played in midfield. And I think we we were. We mentioned him early on in the puck, uh, in the season, I think, one game. after Because yeah. West Ham had a terrible start. And I think their mm. first win came when, I think, Pellegrini pushed him into midfield. And mm. he had a really good game. Yeah. Is that against Everton, maybe, I think? Yeah, I mean, his, it was his first first senior goal for West Ham, I do believe. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, there's he's... no panic around West Ham anymore, is there? And he's part no. of that. Like, but it's just... there's, there's no panic around Declan Rice whenever he gets the ball. And that's what really impresses me about him. For someone so young, he's... Um, he's just got this, you know, great players, they look like they're playing the game in slow motion, right? Yeah. you know, and, um, and he kind of has, he has a bit of that about him. So, yeah. One Good. thing I'll say about that quality, and I wanted to sort of hone on that for a moment, that thing about great players having time in the ball, which I think you're referring to is, it's how they receive possession, isn't mm. it? So it's people, it's the difference between players who receive possession and then make a decision, as opposed to those who, the first touch takes them away from the ball, uh, away from the opponent. And there's a great um, compilation on on YouTube. It's quite sad. I mean, to have dug it out, but it's a compilation of Tony Cruz's first touch. And Tony Cruz, arguably in football, has the best first touch in terms of getting the ball out of his feet. Yeah. So the, the amount of times that Cruz gets fouled yeah. and it doesn't get dispossessed cleanly because he has this incredible first touch where he kind of hits it with a bit of spin. Yeah. It just fizzes out of his feet. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's like three feet away from someone. Yeah. You made that video, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yes. And yes, and you added, the music. you added the music, didn't you, Ryan? Oh, was that, yeah. Yeah, that was you. You still yeah. pay, you haven't paid me for that yet. <laughs> Can we take a break? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Arsenal are now level on points with Manchester United who have mm. sacked their manager and had a nightmare of a season. So mm. yay. From an Arsenal point of view, just quickly, because we talk about Arsenal too much, the Ozil issue is something that is quite concerning because mm. apparently he was fully fit and available and not in the squad on the weekend right. and Arsenal are desperately lacking some creativity at the moment right. their shots per game average this season is way down the lowest it's been for I think maybe the last 20 years so what's going on there is it some kind of personal issue between the two because it's a, it's an open secret kind of thing that they don't seem to see eye to eye or what if I'm being honest I'm not I don't really know so I'm not going to make a massive kind of judgment yeah. call on it because 
I think that it's really easy for people, I think, just to kind of make uh, make a call on what they think is going on. But mm. there's so much stuff that we don't see. Yeah, right. So I, I think that you've got to kind of think this there's a manager here who is leaving arguably if everyone's playing 100% Mesut Ozil is the best Arsenal player yeah, in right. that squad yeah. so something's going on he has been injured but he's been back in training a full week now and other players who came back Hector Bellerin he was on the bench came on so I don't know I mean it's, it feels I, I honestly think though if Arsenal are going to get anything out of the season and, mm. and really their domestic season could be over by this time next week uh, lose to Chelsea next weekend I think top four's done Right, which means that the only way to get back into the Champions League is going to be through the Europa League, and they're going to need players like Mesut Özil because that's not an easy competition to win. Özil's one of these players that divides opinion so starkly, you know. Mm. And we're all fans of him, but maybe it's just a case that Emery he wants players that are going to run harder. Yeah, I think he's got. Mm. I think he's got a very specific idea. Did we mention this last week? Maybe about what he wants a midfielder to do. Yeah, and I think that's why you've seen Aaron Ramsey not getting many Mm. games. I mean, you know, we actually, on that topic, we called it before it was official last week and we called the Matuidi Pjanic Ramsey midfield at Juve. That's right. <laughs> and the first article that came out about him signing said he's expected to start straight away with Pjanic and Matuidi <laughs> in Juventus' midfield. So I'm excited to see I that. feel so good about shouts. You're like welcome. That. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, elsewhere. Ramsey, I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> oh, I remember him. <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> and elsewhere in the Premier League, Liverpool won. Yep. Yeah. Good win for them. One good nil. win for them because Brighton, you know, tough proposition, especially at home. Yeah, they're uh, grinding out wins yeah. when they need to. Just a, Another just clean a great, sheet. Just a great mm-hmm. team, Liverpool. Their defensive record is crazy. They're on a different level. Chelsea beat. Who did Chelsea Newcastle beat? Too. Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Pedro so, and William. Yeah, good weekend for Chelsea. Yep, yep. After the Spurs result and the Arsenal result. And the Ralph Hasenhutl project continues to to bounce. We're going to have uh, we're going to start having Hasenhutl Ecker, yeah. which is uh, corner. <laughs> What's Sancho doing right now? Do you think he's listening to our podcast? Uh, speaking of Sancho, um, seeing as we have to mention him every week, <laughs> <laughs> the Bundesliga returns this weekend from its uh, winter break, winter pause, and Borussia Dortmund have a very very difficult game at Leipzig. Leipzig haven't lost at home in the league all season. Um, Dortmund won their final game of the year but had a bit of a wobble against um, Dusseldorf mm. one of the teams fighting uh, relegation so yeah that's what definitely the big game in the Bundesliga to look out for also Bayern are playing Hoffenheim so that's also an interesting one Are you going? I'm going to Leipzig yeah it's an hour down the road from Berlin so Only an hour that's quite close I'll have my eye on oh, that man on, man on the road I just yeah, love how so many of the great football towns are so close together yeah, this is awesome. And we're in Berlin. Yeah, <laughs> right in the middle of them. <laughs> um, should we take another quick break and then come back? For sure. Back from the break with some breaking news. Yeah, yeah. What's happening? Nottingham Forest legend Martin O'Neill is now the new Nottingham Forest manager. Neil, oh. interesting. Very interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I always assumed he'd already managed Nottingham Forest for some reason, but um, no, he hadn't. First time. That's such a great shout because they've I had like like nine managers in yeah, nine a, years or something it's crazy. A good shout. I like that appointment quite a lot. The thing is, I mean, about reviving a club like Forest and call me romantic, but you look at Leeds and of which later, Marcel Bielsa, there's something to be said for getting in a manager who's brilliant, who's got this like progressive style of play and really just 
going for it. Like, because that's what, that's what Forest are. To me, they're a club that they stand for beautiful, flowing, attacking football. Mm. And I just, you know, I hope that O'Neill stabilises them, pushes them forward. Yeah. But I just don't know if he's got the chops to, yeah. the creative chops. You know, to me, I don't want to be negative because it's such a, it's, it's a romantic appointment in a sense. Might be one for the intangibles, yeah. you know, yeah. like the Solskjaer thing. Right. O'Neill's also coming off the back of a couple of failed, yeah. failed yeah. jobs. I mean, he left the island job and he was not very popular. And the last time he really was, you know, influential with his tactics and strategy in the game was a decade ago with Aston Villa. Villa, yeah. That, they, that, that year they were top yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. Oh. It's like, I don't want to be negative. It's just, you want to bring in a geeky outsider. You know, sometimes mm. when things have been done the same way for so long, mm. you just need someone to come in and freshen up. Because, you know, someone like Karanka is a good manager, but a limited manager. And, you know, really lacks, I suppose, consistently the imagination to bring the best from teams. And, mm. you know, Bielsa will come on to the criticism of him, re- uh, you know, very shortly. But there is a manager who is getting, and this is the weird thing, there was a time when Vinnie Jones was at Leeds. Do you remember that? Vinnie Jones went to Leeds and yeah. played, was playing 40-yard passes in a way they'd never been allowed to do before. <laughs> and I just, there's something to be said for a manager coming in and saying, look, do you know what? Give it a go. We're going to lose a couple of games, but mm. we're going to get everyone loose and bring the best out of you. Yeah, and I just hope O'Neill can do that for them. I mean, they've rattled off so many different kinds of managers over the last few years that right. I think maybe turn into the former hero yeah, is a good them. shout. Good luck but um, yeah. but oh, on Leeds, before I, so I need to put my work for United. That's true. Well, it's working. <laughs> but um, away from United and, and towards Leeds, so we have this sort of. Spygate. So Bielsa has been spying on. No, he hasn't. Teams. Well, the scout has, scout, right? Well, so his proxies, his proxies, yeah. his, his ravens. Bielsa's ravens have been spying on the opposition. Yeah. And uh, Frank Lampard was very upset by this. I think you know Leeds beat Derby recently, and he said, you know, it's a cultural thing. You know, we don't really like it. And Bielsa said, well, look, you could do this in Italy; it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, I'm not entirely sure that's the case. I'm not sure anyone would be that happy with Snoop. Lampard snooping. said. Um, Lampard said that he has his book in his living room but this has clouded it for him a little bit <laughs> oh no oh, is no. it going on the fire now yeah. when he goes home? <laughs> the idea that Frank Lampard playing his peak years at Chelsea is disillusioned by yeah. skullduggery yeah, football is, exactly. a bit of, is a bit of a reach yes, yes but anyway I don't know what else what other books Frank Lampard's into <laughs> He's a super smart guy. He probably reads a lot of things. Well, no, but I've like never yeah. really thought about it. I'm not kind of saying that yeah, as no, a no, judgment course, yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like, no, I've no, actually no. kind of never thought about Frank Lampard reading. Mind you, I never really think about He's it. Lampard's been in children's books, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Frank, Frank Lampard. I know Theo Walcott has. Yeah. Lampard has, yeah. It's his whole thing. It's like his big Steve Bruce wrote yeah. crime thrillers. That's right, actually. Yeah. Goodness me. Well, have we got a bit off a tangent. I might chop this. Sorry, sorry. Well, no, I quite like this. No, leave it in. Leave the content in. The wandering nature of, of Hun's mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you leave me on my own a little bit, I'll drift. Your own devices, <laughs> um, yeah. But Bielsa didn't actually... Is it? Is it a... I saw a thing that he didn't make the call. It was very much... Or is that... Do you think that's some spin on it? It was like... Mm. It was a lone wolf. Yeah. Uh, a lone wolf. Mm. Plausible deniability. It all sounds very sort of... It's, yeah. it's unethical, but what are you really going to learn from, you know, spying over some bushes? Like seeing some... I don't know. Has it worked for him before? I, I think, oh, to, be, to be fair to Lampard, it is a bit shady because if you look at... It's a hell of a compliment, though. It is Actually, a compliment. Yeah, it is a compliment. But if you think, if you think about, um, well, he could just be an obsessive. I mean, Guardiola used to do like four days on putting together tactics for Cologne, against Cologne. For and five. by the way, Guardiola's response to the Bielsa thing was, "I need Leeds in the Premier League." He said, "I like." He said, "I love Leeds." I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it is a bit shady. I mean, I won't sort of dwell on it too long, but I think no, it is a bit shady. It's yeah, it's a bit yeah, shady, it's but, but nothing more. Before we go, 
wanted to uh, mention Women's Super League. Yeah. Arsenal, bad weekend for Arsenal. Arsenal lost 2-1 to Chelsea. Mm. Missing a couple of key players, no Daniela van der Donk. And it's all very tight at the top of the Women's Super League. Man City are now top. Right. Um, Chelsea, last season's champions, who had a terrible start. The reverse fixture of this, Arsenal won 5-0 early mm. on in the season. They are third. Arsenal are second with a game in hand. If they win the game in hand, they go two points above City. So it's all very tight at the top of the Women's How many to play? Super League. Arsenal have 10 games left. Man City and Chelsea have nine. So Ooh, that's nice. Heating yeah, Man City on 31 points, Arsenal 30, Chelsea 28, and then Birmingham City 25. In the championship, there was um, a bit of a, a, a concerning development in the Manchester United-Charlton game. Um, Charlotte Kerr, Charlton player, got severely injured in the goal. Hmm. I think it was only about 25 minutes in. Right. And um, there was a massive stop in play. And they had to, I think med- the medical teams from both sides were giving her treatment and they had to wait for 25 minutes for an ambulance, I think. It's wild. Mm. But um, yeah, the, the match ended up, ended, ended up being abandoned. See, that's wild. I mean, the yeah. nature, the whole infrastructure there can't be affected. If that's the thing that's... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've not seen any updates from the injury, but yeah, hope. And also for a, the, nothing yeah, too serious and a speedy injury. recovery for Charlotte Kerr. Yeah, best of luck with that. Yeah, um, yeah. On that tip, actually, I'd recommend watching both of the, the Women's Super League and the Women's Championships. Quite easy to, to, to see as well. They stream a lot of stuff on Facebook right. free. And there's a uh, Women's Champions League is returning soon. Yeah, Wolfsburg. I'll try, get it, I'll try to get that, actually. I'll yeah. try to sort of wangle tickets. My dad told me he's going to go and see PSG. I think they're playing Chelsea. Wolfsburg. They're Kingstonian ground. Now. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, anything else to report? We're going to have some more stuff going up on the website this week. Make Absolutely. sure you check that. My La Liga roundup. Yep. I thoroughly recommend. Otherwise, <laughs> it's looking all quite exciting, all to play for mm-hmm. in all leagues. Mm-hmm. So yeah, watch this space, audience. Thank you so much. In the meantime, though, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Please check us out on social media, all normal handles, at Rabona Mag. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you like watching. Another shout quickly before we go. If you do listen on iTunes, please give us a r- rating preferably five stars <laughs> if you're not up for giving us a five star one maybe don't worry about it yeah and a lovely review it will help Always us welcome. grow the podcast yep. and um yeah thanks again thank you so much for everyone and yeah take care catch you next week Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.